0: Greetings, greetings, and welcome to the show. This is Wrong Place, Right Crime. I am your host, Frank Zafiro, and this is an open and shut episode with T.K. Thorne. Now, T.K. is a very interesting person, and in fact, she's so interesting, I want to have her back on the show when we have more time to dive into her background. Uh, But for the purposes of this episode, we're going to talk about her House of Rose novel, which is a procedural that has some timeliness to it and a pretty cool twist, as you'll see. Before we get to TK, though, I want to remind you that A Wrong Place for Right Crime is proudly sponsored by Down and Out Books. Down and Out Books is a mid-sized publisher of crime fiction, most of it at the darker and grittier end of the spectrum. If that sounds like something that you might like, you can go to their website, and that is downandoutbooks.com. That's down and out books, all spelled out.com. down and out books. Take the journey with us. Uh, So, like I said, a very interesting author, a fellow retired police officer as well, is T.K. Thorne. And let's dive into the interview that I did with her. Well, hello, T.K., and welcome to the show.
1: Um, Hi, Frank. Thank you so much for having me.
0: This is actually the first time we've ever met, but it is (laughs) not uh, supposed to have been the first time. I I was supposed to moderate a panel at Left Coast Crime in San Diego in 2020, uh, March sometime, and you were going to be on it.
1: That's right. And I was at the conference.
0: Oh, you made it down then.
1: I did. I did. And uh, I think we had... Two days there, and then we turned around, and got on a plane, and came home
0: yeah they they cancelled the conference at the end of the first day, and uh, our panel was on the second day, if I remember right, so
1: of course
0: <laughs> <laughs> that was going to be the first time I'd ever moderated a panel at a conference actually
1: well, I'm sure it would have been an interesting experience now it's an interesting experience to talk about not <laughs> happening. <laughs>
0: I I did buy the T-shirt that said, uh, you know, Left Coast Crime San Diego, I was there, where were you?
1: I got to get me one of those. (laughs) I didn't know they had them.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's pretty funny. Um, So obviously, if you were going to be on a panel that I was uh, moderating, you write some crime fiction. Uh, You actually have a really fascinating biography that uh, I'd love to go into. And in fact, uh, you graciously agreed to come back next season so we could delve into that some more. Uh, because this episode, we're going to focus on your book uh, that is a Magic City uh, book called House of Rose. Will tell us a little bit about this series and how did that uh, come to pass? How did you come up with Rose? How did you come up with that scenario?
1: It's a long story that I'm going to try to shorten. Um, I, I retired as a police captain from the Birmingham Police Department. And the last thing I wanted to write about was crime, uh, because it was, felt more like work than escape.
0: Busman's and, Holiday. Yeah,
1: exactly, exactly. So I let's see. The first, my first published book was Noah's Wife, which is a historical fiction written about a woman who lived thousands of years ago, and I was totally intrigued by creating this story around uh, the wife of such a famous person as Noah. And then I wrote Angels at the Gate, which uh, is about Lot's wife, and a few thousand years into the uh, forward. So, you know, I really didn't plan to write those as as a, or House Angels, anyway, as a sequel, but... I was getting in the car with a coworker, and he was—he's a—he was a kind of a snarky guy, and he looked at me and said, "Noah's wife, huh?" And I had been floating pretty high because Noah's wife had won a Ford Reviews Book of the Year for historical fiction. So, for my first book coming out, that was a pretty big deal. And uh, when he said that, I was felt like somebody just kind of deflated my balloon. And I said, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. and I said, yeah, I know his wife. And he just, he said, what's next? Lot's wife. And that,
0: (laughs) well, actually,
1: (laughs) yeah, well, actually my first reaction was no way Uh, that's going to entail writing about Sodom and Gomorrah. And what the heck am I going to do with A couple of angels I know was in that story. Anyway, I decided absolutely not. I was not going to write that book. But it kept bugging me. And uh, eventually I caved in and and wrote it. And it, too, won a national award. So uh, the next book I wrote was completely different. And it accidentally came upon me also when I was at a, I guess you call, it wasn't, it was a, a. I never can figure out the right word because celebration is not right. It was a bringing together of all of the people who had been involved in the 16th Street church bombing case in Birmingham, Alabama in uh, 1963. And people were starting to, Pass away that had been alive during that time, and they wanted to make bring everybody together. So they brought the investigators and the prosecutors and the family, uh, and I was listening to the stories by one of the prosecutor. One of, excuse me, one of the investigators, and I was sitting in a large auditorium at the very top row, and I couldn't really see the person, but I could tell he was kind of a short guy, and his voice sounded a little, a little familiar. And eventually it hit me who he was, that he was somebody I had known in the police department. So I went up to him afterwards and I said, Ben, I had no idea you had done this. And he said, that's because the police department kept it a secret uh, for a couple of years. And I told everybody I was on a, a federal task force for auto theft. <laughs> but he was really doing the, opening this secret investigation on the church bombing case. And I said, "You know, I've never heard all the deep those details about what happened behind the scenes over the forty year history of this investigation. and i I said, Somebody needs to write a book. <laughs> and those are sort of the f- words that came out of my mouth, and I had no intention of being that one, but a few years later, I was. And that book, writing that book, is what kind of reawakened. Uh, the memories and, and I had to kind of put my police hat on in order to do the interviews with these law enforcement uh, people.
0: And for people who may not have the history of of what you're talking about down, you're talking about the church bombing that claimed the lives of four young uh, black girls, correct?
1: Correct. Yes. And,
0: And this was a pretty major event in terms of race relations and civil rights, uh, this tragedy had a lot of uh, of impact, and and so it was also a very controversial event, which really kind of ties in nicely to the book that you wrote, The House of Rose.
1: I'd love for you to elaborate on that.
0: <laughs> well, I had I haven't read the entire book uh, yet, but. You know, today, uh, in in the
1: oh, okay world, race uh, relations,
0: yeah, yeah, we we have race relations and particularly police uh, community relations, regardless of what what which community, which part of the community or the community as a whole that we're talking about. And in your opening chapter of House of Rose, there's a discussion about a questionable shooting. In fact, there's a police officer uh, on the news that's been convicted of manslaughter for an officer involved shooting. And then your main character, who's a little bit of a doubter of the officer's actions, uh, is plunged into a very similar situation. And it kind of goes from there. And so, I mean, do you see the parallel between the two or did you when you were writing or did did you retrospectively see that the two had some comparisons?
1: Oh, I certainly did. And in my mind, it was one of the one of the things that I wanted to accomplish is to show what it was like from the position of a police officer. You know wh- what are the feelings, and and how could something like that have happened? Of course, I dip into a little fantasy about that uh, to explain how that happens, and it, you know, slide out of reality a little bit. But you, but. But in doing so, I still presented that moment when a decision has to be made and how difficult it is and how difficult it is to live with the consequences, no matter what the reasons were. And I did hope to show that with Rose.
0: Yeah, I think that's something that a lot of people who haven't been engaged in um, emergency responses that are life and death, whether it's medical or law enforcement or or even a military situation, people who haven't been faced with that don't necessarily realize that you can make the right decision for the right reason. And the result can still be wrong or feel wrong. And there's still considerable emotional fallout for everybody involved. Um, some, some things are truly a no win situation.
1: Exactly. It was for Rose. And uh, you have to, you know, it's something you have to live with.
0: Mm-hmm. At the beginning of the book, you you have Rose and her her training officer. She's uh, at the very end of her training cycle and about to be released to go out on her own. So she's truly a rookie, Um, and she's having a discussion over coffee, of course, uh, which is <laughs> which is, I'm sure we both recall where, where many a conversation occurred. But she is taking one position that, you know, hey, this cop that's being convicted, he shot a guy in the back. You know, how can that ever be right? And her training officer is a little bit more tight lipped about it. uh, But he espouses kind of the, I would say the, the chalk position for most police officers. And that is, you know, I wasn't there. I don't know the answer. Uh, here are some possibilities, but I'm not going to bother explaining them to me to you because you've already made up your mind. Uh, and, and you really capture that conversation uh, very succinctly and very, but but very deeply.
1: Uh, well, that uh, thank you. It, it may be because an incident like that actually happened while I was on the force.
0: I think it's happened in just about every city over the course of the <laughs> last twenty years, yeah. in some fashion or another. Yeah. Uh, how closely related? Uh, uh, to the events that you depict uh, were the actual events. Did you fictionalize it a ton or uh, just a little?
1: Well, considering Rose is a, is a witch uh, and has the... <laughs> <a, laughs>
0: That's not the part I meant.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Although I, ha- I have to say this. Um, when, I, when I started talking about the book, you know, you have to condense everything into this one line. Uh, in the order, when people say, "Well, what's it about?" they're not expecting you to start rambling on about the plot and the characters. Mm-hmm. So my response is, you know, was uh, it's you know, it's about a Birmingham police officer who discovers she's a witch.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And even uh, my even friends who've known me for years, I about sixty percent of the time I got this response. Well, is it autobiographical? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, That's some funny stuff, right there.
1: <laughs> I know. And at first, I would just you know look at them, and eventually, I said, "Okay, I got to, I, I have to come up with something." And so, I would say, "Absolutely, one hundred percent." Let them wonder. <laughs>
0: yeah. And don't don't make me mad because now I'm a double threat. If you make me mad, exactly. I, I will exactly. hex you, and then I will put you in one of my books and kill you. So you'll get <laughs> get it twice. So, but and that's what I found interesting about this is that the first several chapters read like a, a hard edged procedural um in, in which you know a young officer gets involved in a difficult situation and makes a decision and then there's the fallout that surrounds that and and then you kind of do a, a hard left turn into the supernatural with this uh, uh business of her being a witch
1: right well this this is how I, I made it interesting to myself because like I said a a police procedural is not entertainment to me it's just memories. Uh, But put a little magic in it, and I was hooked. And I, I, you know, it wasn't just arbitrary magic. I was very uh, intentional about making this part of the history of Birmingham. So for those of you who don't know, Birmingham, Alabama, was a, a city that was conceived in late in 1870 and it and it happened because people discovered all three of the ores that are needed to make steel in the close proximity which makes the city unique in the world and so it it became a a little boomtown overnight because of that and the (laughs) <laughs> Railroads crossed there, and it was nicknamed the Magic City because oh, it grew yeah. so fast.
0: So you, you didn't come up with that. It's a part of the history of the
1: city. Itself. Yes, that oh. that is the nickname for Birmingham, the Magic oh. City. And the uh, the houses uh, are, and this is this is in an arc of that covers three books. The houses are based on. Uh, ancient families who moved here from England and Europe, but they, they each get their powers from one of the ores that make up those three elements needed to make steel in Birmingham. So, this was the perfect place for all three of them to live. There's one house of women who are the witches, and two houses. Of warlocks, where the power only descends through the male lines, and so the books are House of Rose, which uh, is based on coal. Uh, coal is, I'm sure you know from your science. Coal is actually living plants that that were on Earth billions of years ago and were condensed by the deep pressures of the Earth into coal and oil and they they contain the energy of the sun just like plants do in a very condensed form and that's why we use it for energy or used it for so long and then the other house is house of stone for the limestone and house of iron for the iron ore
0: so for people who were thinking about hey i might pick this up on a scale of you know absolute urban fantasy at one end, uh, and hard boiled police procedural at the other end, you know, where in that spectrum does this series fall? Is it closer to the urban fantasy end of the spectrum or more towards the police procedural or just spec dab in the middle?
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you slide all around the spectrum while you're,
1: uh, I do. It's all, it's, it's technically considered urban fantasy, the first novel. However, in in the second and third novels, I use more of a police procedural solving a murder type of format, but it still has those fantasy elements in it that ties it all together.
0: And, you know, I, I grew up on science fiction and fantasy, and, and there's a lot of urban fantasy out there, so um, I, I'm wondering... Uh, in your world, in the world of uh, of Magic City, how powerful is the magic? Is it, uh, you know, like deified level, or is it uh, mm-hmm. a more grounded, uh, low fantasy type uh, magic? Or how powerful?
1: Yes, yeah, it is. Um, well, for for example, in House of Rose, uh, the the witches typically their power is is that of healing, and I. <laughs> I kind of mix this into sort of pseudo physics uh, and base everything on on like quantum theory and so forth, not to be taken literally. But the the descendants of the House of Rose are able to to connect with this coal and release its energy that it has inertly and use it in the same way that. Plants can use it. I'm not exactly the same way, but you know, plants are able to use the power of the sun. uh, Right. If we could use, if our solar energy could be captured in this to the degree of efficiency that a a plant does, we would easily solve the energy problems of the earth. And it does that through a a quantum mechanics process. So I kind of fold that, that in. Uh, Rose's great great aunt is a physics professor so she's a scientist and she does all this explaining which Rose, Rose finds very annoying <laughs>
0: <laughs> well I, I'm trying to remember if it was Elron Ron Hubbard or, or or who said basically that you know, any, any scientific, uh, uh, you know, you know, the quote I'm going for. I do know. I uh, do.
1: Exactly. Any, any science, any culture that had that comes into contact with advanced science is going to view that as there's no distinction between that and magic.
0: Right. And we, we hear that quote and we read that quote through the perspective and the lens of our own existence. So we feel like we're looking down on less, uh, you know, less developed cultures. But the reality is, is that, uh, uh we should apply that to ourselves as well. So it's fascinating to me to think that there are things that people would poo poo, you know, disregard that are regarded as magic. And then they eventually are explained as being true through science, which is kind of what, which is what you're doing here. So that's, that's kind of an yeah. interesting approach.
1: Yes, you you've you've hit the nail on the head.
0: <laughs> so you you've got the uh, House of Rose and then you have two more books at least in this series coming out. We'll be talking about those uh, in more detail next year when you come back, but uh, when are those scheduled to come out and and are they covering the other two houses?
1: Yes. Yes, the first the second book in the trilogy is House of Stone and the third book is House of Iron. And they both are supposed to come out in the summer and late fall, respectively, of next year, 2021.
0: Uh, So in the meantime, before those books come out, you have the current uh, first book in the series, House of Rose, available and the other books that you mentioned. And those are all on your website, right?
1: Absolutely. And that website is TK Thorne with an E.
0: Well, that's easy to remember. I found it easy (laughs) enough. (laughs) Well, TK, I'm disappointed that we didn't get a chance to meet in person uh, down in San Diego, uh, but I'm glad I finally got to talk to you. And congratulations on a a really cool concept and a, a great first book.
1: Thank you so much, Frank. And it was really fun to talk to you.
0: Well, there you are, folks, a really good picture of T.K. Thorne, at least uh, uh, the narrow band that we focused on. Like I said, very interesting woman with a background that I think is worth spending a lot more time on. So she was gracious enough to agree to come back next season, and we're going to have a much deeper conversation uh, with her about her background. A quick Zephyro update for you. I just want to remind you that Code 4, the final book in the Charlie 316 series, is now available. If you've been following that series, then you'll get your answers to all the pressing questions. And if you haven't, well, you can binge the whole four-book arc right now. You can get that from downoutbooks.com or go to my website, frankzafiro.com and check it out, a series I wrote with Colin Conway. I want to say thank you to T.K. Thorne for coming on the show and for being an interesting interview. Likewise, to Down Out Books for being a great sponsor. And to you, the listener, for once again coming down the mystery lane with me uh, to find out about another writer. Uh, as always, I would ask you, to, to, if the writer interests you at all, please uh, give his or her, in this case her, uh, books a try. Next episode, another former police officer, a Bruce Robert Coffin. And uh, we'll talk about it quite a bit since it is a future episode. That's next week on Wrong Place Right Crime. Until then, this is Frank Safiro reminding you that sometimes you gotta be in the wrong place to write crime.